Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver, coming to you once again, not live, as I always say. When I'm not live, if there's anything that's happened in the world of sports, I'm aware, just not the time that you're watching me right now. I'm actually recording this around 8 in the morning today. Uh, very exciting. Still here at Disney World, but once again, I had to get my show in. I had to talk some NFL football, and a lot happened yesterday, and a lot happened on Saturday, for that matter, in Week 15 NFL action. A lot to get into. Going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens knocking out the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-7, why I am slowly but surely selling my Baltimore Ravens stock, and I felt like I was one of the few that was consistently high on Baltimore. Uh, I am now one of the few that is actually kind of low on Baltimore. I'll get to that uh, in about 25 to 13 minutes or so. Also going to get into the Kansas City Chiefs and why I still kind of don't trust them, but I've sort of come to terms on who they are as a team, as a franchise, at least this year. And I'm, uh, you know, I'll get into that in just a few minutes, in about 10 minutes or so, 10, 12 minutes. And of course, I'll get to the rest of week 15 NFL action, the Saturday games, my Steelers. Ugh. And then Sundays, of course. And at the end of the show, as I always do, I will predict Monday night football between the Seattle Seahawks, who are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Both teams in desperate need of a win in their own very different ways. Eagles actually have clinched a playoff spot along with Dallas yesterday and San Francisco. But nonetheless, a win would be massive for them in terms of the NFC East race. And speaking of the NFC East, as I get, in the, as I get a drink of water, but first... Uh, didn't see that coming to Buffalo. I gotta lie to you. Didn't see that coming. Bills knocking off the Dallas Cowboys, thirty-one to ten. And uh, where to start? Well, let's start with Buffalo because they are the winning team and they're the team that's right in the hunt of the wild card race. And Buffalo is a team that I said coming into the season I did not believe uh, would make the playoffs. I was not terribly high on them in terms of their roster, in terms of their coaching staff. And I think both have sort of come into question at different points this year. Yesterday was was certainly not one of them. For Buffalo, here's the thing, and, and I've said this time and time and time again. At their best, they can be anybody in the NFL. It's, I, I've talked about this with Josh Allen. He's like a perfect reflection of who the Bills are. Oftentimes, your quarterback is. When Josh Allen's at his best, he can go toe-to-toe with the best of the league. Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow went healthy, Lamar Jackson. He can go toe-to-toe with any of them. When he's at his worst, he looks darn near like a backup. Like, it's it's, it's an up and down. To Jekyll and Hyde, the Buffalo Bills are the very definition of a roller coaster. But I'll have to give them credit in this regard. This is one of those games for Buffalo I thought they were sure to lose. Where it's, they survived in Kansas City last week. Sure, they're at home, but because of that, maybe they let their guard down a little bit. Dallas is coming off of a massive win at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. It turned out to be the old switch route. It was Dallas who was too high on themselves. Buffalo, who felt more desperate, rightfully so. Buffalo's fighting for a playoff spot. Dallas has already clinched theirs, although obviously the Cowboys are trying to still fight for the NFC East title. And their chances now at the one seed look, look to be slim to none at this point, given what San Francisco is currently showing us. But Buffalo, with the, one of my criticism of them for the last few years is, where the heck is their running game? Well, <laughs> I think you saw it yesterday. James Cook went for... 179 yards, 20 on 25 carries, 7.2 yards per carry. So Dallas simply could put could not stop them. You could tell that opening drive of the game when James Cook looks like they were on Dallas' side of the field, and, and James Cook looks like he had a five, six yard run, and the Buffalo offensive line pushes him for 11 or 12. It's like, okay, Buffalo's trying to make a statement. They're trying to say, you know what, we can win a game in which Josh Allen is not amazing. And again, to see Josh Allen's number seven for 15, 94 yards, a touchdown. Josh Allen, you know, one of my concerns was. And it's always been my concern for Josh, and I think he's a remarkable, unbelievable talent. But there's always those one or two throws a game, sometimes more, where you're like, what the heck are you doing, Josh? Didn't see that because didn't really have a chance to make it. Like, you know, Sean McDermott and, and, and Joe Brady in particular, the Bills offensive play caller, saying, crap, guys, if they can't stop us, why, well, why do we stop running? You know, it's like that's that's. And I, I give them props for that because sometimes some teams will kind of go away from that. Remember the Chargers did that in that playoff game against Jacksonville. Brandon Staley just got fired this past weekend. So for Buffalo, listen, you look at their upcoming schedule. There's a lot of winnable games at the Chargers without Herbert. You got the Patriots at home. Patriots are in a free fall, one of the worst teams of football. And they have at Miami. Meanwhile, you got the Miami Dolphins. And again, Buffalo fighting for a wild card spot. They're also not out of, out of the division race. Two games back of the Dolphins team that just won 30 to nothing. But Miami has Dallas at home at Baltimore, and then that game against Buffalo, which fortunately for them is at home. But uh, as much as the NFC East race isn't over between Dallas and Philly, 
crazy as it sounds, AFC's race isn't over between Buffalo and Miami. Now, I still have Miami taking the division when it's all said and done. I would be shocked if they went 0-3 in their next three games. Um, but likewise, I'd be shocked if Buffalo went 1-2 and in their next few games. That very well could come down to Week 18 uh, from Hard Rock Stadium between the Dolphins and the Bills. Uh, they've certainly made things interesting, interesting here as Buffalo, but we know Buffalo at their best can be anybody in the league. At their worst, they look almost incompetent. They're up and down. This is why I've never trusted them as a championship team. But, but if they put it together the next few games, sure, they can absolutely be a playoff team. And they, you, they're they the type of team that if you're a two seed, like a, I don't know, like a Kansas City, like a Miami who's currently sitting in the, as the two seed or Jacksonville's kind of free falling a little bit, but they're going to win their division in all likelihood. We assume if Trevor is, is, is remotely healthy, they're the type of team you don't want to see. And that's that's what Buffalo's showing us right now. So hats off to the Bills. They Again, that opening drive to me was the ultimate statement to say, you know what, our game plan is we're going to hit you in the mouth for Dallas because that's going to be the conversation today. Again, I'm recording this at 8 a.m., so I am completely oblivious to whatever the media coverage has been uh, surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to take a – I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take a crazy guess as to what the – the whole narrative, the whole notion around um, this football team is. It's Dak's out of the MVP race. It's this team can't win on the road. It's this team is a fraud in the NFC. Did I get did I get all? Oh, yeah, uh, they're they're unprepared coaching-wise. Did I, did I cover all the bases? I think I did. I think I got all of them. Um, most of which have virtually no basis in fact whatsoever. Now, what does have basis in fact, and we knew this about Dallas coming in, obviously, I don't think me nor most people saw this coming. But we've known about the Dallas Cowboys in their losses, okay? They gave up 191 yards on average rushing, uh, running the football in their losses. So they, they can't stop the run, whether that's a, a schematic problem with Dan Quinn, whether that's a personnel problem with guys like Odigizua inside, um, whether it's Micah Parsons not being able to make that much of an impact. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's Dallas has had some injuries at linebacker. They cannot stop the run to save their lives. And that's a concern against teams like a Detroit in the playoffs. They're going to see Detroit in a couple weeks. That's a concern against a San Francisco. Massive concern because the Niners can can run the football and hurt you in the play action. That is Dallas's biggest weakness. They cannot stop the run whatsoever. And I, I don't see... Again, we're 14 games of a season. I don't really see that going away if that's been your trend since week three when they lost to Arizona and gave up 200 yards rushing. I, I don't see that just going away. Um, but for Dallas offensively, <sighs> Hall of Fame quarterback once said it best, R-E-L-A-X. They'll be fine. What I love, and again, this is all based, again, I want to reemphasize this. I'm recording at 8 in the morning here, e- Eastern Standard Time. Um, I heard I, last thing I want to do is, is, is assume, cause we know what assuming does at the end of the day. Right. But I'm going to take a wild, another wild guess as to what the coverage around Dak is. Folks are going to simply ignore, act like the last seven games just didn't happen. Didn't occur. We, we, we never saw them and act like this is who Dak is. And if you see Dak's numbers yesterday, some of these numbers, he got in garbage time with a, a drive at the end. Not really sure why McCarthy left him in, but nonetheless, 21 to 34, a buck 34 passing, no touchdowns, a pick, and a passer rating in the high 50s. So a bad, bad game start to finish from Dak Prescott. And again, some of those numbers look better because of the fact that McCarthy left him in a couple of drives when he really shouldn't have. Uh, now, he wouldn't have got the interception, but nonetheless, he also wouldn't have put together that scoring drive to make the score look somewhat respectable. At least it wasn't 31 to 3, right? Um, First of all, Dak barely had the ball in his hands. Buffalo won the time of possession battle 35-24. to 24. And again, a lot of those Dallas minutes were in garbage time. So Dak's barely got the ball in his hands. Second of all, Dak is dealing with pressure coming through the middle, which we know that is I, – I have – you're like, oh, Bryce, you're making an excuse for Dak. Check the tape. I have said this for weeks, if not years. The absolute last place a quarterback wants pressure is up the middle. Because if you're a mobile guy, which Dak is relatively mobile. He's no Jalen Hurts, but he's mobile. If you have a guy come from the left, you move to the right. You have a guy come from the right, you move to the left. You got a guy come up the middle 100 miles an hour at times. It seemed yesterday unblocked. There's nowhere for you to go. I mean, you could try and shift out of it. We saw Dak make a play where he broke uh, off of a sack. I think it was from Daryl Taylor of the Seattle Seahawks. We saw him do, make plays like that. But by and large, that's just not the norm. You can't rely on that every single play. And when Dak is dealing with literally no protection and C.D. Lamb is the only cowboy who can consistently separate, that's you're just not going to make it happen there. Another criticism I would have of Dallas is, and 
for the record, I think McCarthy has done a phenomenal job this year. However, and I said this on Friday, it's why I had Dallas winning the game. And, you know, we saw today, or we saw yesterday, this is something that they really didn't address or attack or any of the above. I said this coming in this game. Since this is from Mina Kimes of ESPN, shout out Mina Kimes. Buffalo's defense versus passes over the middle of the field since losing Matt Milano, their star linebacker, and really the captain of their defense. 31st in passer rating, 26th in EPA, and 30th in success rate. So Buffalo is weak over the middle, and I feel like Dallas is running a lot of screen passes, throws to the outside. Listen, I don't know if it was a game plan thing by Sean McDermott, who we know calls defensive plays. If so, props to him. But it really didn't seem like Dallas really addressed uh, the middle of the field in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, and so that that hurt them as well. They, they have some guys who can go over the middle, like a C.D. Lamb, like a Brandon Cooks at times, at least down the red zone. Uh, that, that that hurt Dallas as well. But I, I, I don't want this to be, and, and I fought against this with, with Dak his whole career. You guys know I'm a massive Dak Prescott guy. But seven awesome games get negated by one terrible game. That, that, that's, the math doesn't add up. You're like, Bryson, it was a big game. Wasn't the Philly game a big game? Was the Seattle a big game? You know, we, we're just going to act like those never. By the way, the Philly game before that, that was in Philly, uh, which Dallas even lost that game. Dak was phenomenal uh, in, in that game in, in Lincoln Financial Field. Threw for 370, had three touchdowns, no turnovers. Like, that's, that's something that's sustainable. That's something we've seen from Dak Prescott. They just had a bad day at the office. Dallas is not a great team on grass in the cold. Good news is they can still beat Philadelphia for the division. And the only somewhat cold game, I see that in air quotes, they'd really have to worry about is if it got chilly in the Bay Area in San Francisco, which that and a number of concerns would come to pass for the Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers because they are simply put, and I've said this since the offseason, the best roster in the NFL. It's not even close. So I don't look this look at this game as a referendum on the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, it is a week-to-week NFL. You're hot until you're not, as the old saying goes. Uh, and I certainly don't look at this as a referendum on Dak Prescott. He's played awesome football for the overwhelming majority for 90% of the season. He had a stinker. Some of the factors were his fault. Some of the factors weren't his fault. Had a bad day at the office. Uh, and by the way, you know who isn't panicking about the Dallas Cowboys? Vegas. I'm checking this game. The Cowboys have a big game in Miami on Christmas Eve, six days from now, right? And the Dolphins won 30 to nothing, and they're playing good football, right? Dallas on the road, mind you. The Dolphins are favored by a single point. So Vegas is saying, guys, bad day at the office. Dallas is going to come in. They're embarrassed after how they played against Buffalo. Miami's going to be really high on themselves after that win against the Jets, and Dallas is going to come in and probably win the game. And the Dolphins at home are getting a single point. Like that tells you all you need to know about this Cowboys team and, and frankly about the Buffalo team, which we, we, we just put on a show yesterday. Give them props where it's due. But you, you guys know me. I am not the type of dude to just overreact, swing one way or the other week to week. Some others do. That's that's fine. That's just not how I roll. That's, that's I, I don't believe in that. It's a long season. It's, it's now 17 games. We go from the week after Labor Day to the week after New Year's. Like, it's a long season. A lot can happen. Um, I think Dallas could be fine. I'm absolutely not panicking whatsoever. If the question was, can they beat San Francisco? Eh, you don't feel great about that after today, but did you feel great about it coming in? You know, that's that's where we got to set our expectations in a certain regard. So that's where I'm, I'm at on Dallas. I did want to transition now, and again, the show is once again not live, recording it a little after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time this morning because I'm on the road, but I still wanted to get the show in because a lot of football to talk about. It was great NFL Sunday yesterday, a lot of great games that 1 o'clock window. How about Browns-Bears? Man, Darnell Moody nearly made the play of the year if he could just haul it in at the end. I, I did want to talk about Kansas City for a second, though. They beat New England 27-17 uh, in Foxborough. Not really much of a surprise even for Kansas City, losing two straight games. The offense looks darn near incompetent. Uh, still a three-win Patriots team. There's a reason the Chiefs were favored uh, by eight and a half points, and they took care of business. Mahomes had a couple touchdowns, 300 yards. Now he did have the three, uh, the, the two interceptions. But, uh, Kansas City was able to, to take care of the job, even without running the football terribly effectively without Isaiah Pacheco, only 43 yards rushing in total on 20 carries. Um I think it's time for me, and, and maybe I'm late to the party on this, but you know you know me. I'm not a big overreact guy, but once we see you for 14 games, we're in week 15, Christmas is next week, we kind of know who you are. You could be a better version, a worse version on any given Sunday, but we kind of know by and large who you are given your body of work. Um, I think it's time to accept who Kansas City is. 
Kansas City, and this isn't a bad thing, by the way. Kansas City is an amazing defensive team. This has been, I've said this since probably week two. This is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had uh, in his time as the Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback. It's not even close. Uh, again, gave up 17 in New England, but they've had multiple games, which they gave up nine to Jacksonville, which Baltimore gave up seven, but you get the idea. But Detroit, you see, you know, week one, they scored 21, but Kansas City's defense gave up 14. Seven of those came on a drop by Kadarius Tony for a pick six. And <laughs> by the way, you saw a play with Tony like like that yesterday. Mahomes was was pretty darn frustrated in the sideline. But this is a darn good, darn good Kansas City Chiefs defense. Chris Jones, that secondary, even with the injuries they dealt with, uh, Nick Bolton, guys like that, like they've still been able to next man up. They've drafted very well. Brett Beach has done a fantastic job. And these guys are all cheap. So Props to Kansas City. They've hit on their draft picks, and they don't have to pay them a whole lot of money. And that's gonna be that's gonna be something when you have an expensive quarterback, an expensive tight end, which they do. Um, that's and by the way, an expensive interior defensive lineman and Chris Jones. It's a salary cap league. You're gonna have to try and make ends meet to a certain degree in terms of of, of, of drafting well. So props to the Chiefs in that regard. It's going to be one of those. It's weird to compare them to, to this team because they just you know they beat this team yesterday, but. They're, they remind me a lot of some of those Tom Brady Super Bowl teams where it's awesome quarterback. Probably not. I don't I, – I think I think George Kittle's officially surpassed Travis Kelsey. I just haven't seen that same production from Kelsey. And for the record, this is the this is year 11 for Travis. You know, it's, it's hard to sustain that playing the position he's playing, but he's still a very productive player. So was Gronk at the end of his career. Gronk would always make those big catches in a big playoff game or in a Super Bowl. Um, for the New England Patriots, and that's trying to kind of who Travis Kelsey is. Still very productive, probably not the superstar tight end he once was. I could be wrong on that, but maybe he's. Uh, I, I think that's kind of where he's at. So superstar quarterback, amazing coach, uh, very good tight end, very good defense, actually great defense, and some guys. You know, your Tonys if he stops screwing up. Uh, some Rasheed Rice's who I've really liked from the jump. Guys like that who are just capable of making those big plays. It's 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 a it's not a big play offense. For the record, we saw this last year from Kansas City. They were more explosive offense. Mahomes won MVP through 41 touchdowns. But at the end of the day, this was a very, very methodical offense once they traded Tyreek Hill. This is a team that's going to beat you on 10 play drives, not three play drives or a one play drive on a, a bomb to to, to 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 Cheetah. That's that's who the Chiefs are now. They're a lesser version of the, what they were last year, but last year's team won the Super Bowl. And for the record. Do we not have nothing but question marks about the AFC right now? I'm going to talk about Buff, uh, Baltimore in about five minutes or so. I have some serious questions about the Ravens. I have some serious questions about the Jaguars, who I loved in the season. Now I'm kind of selling my stock on Jacksonville for this year. Okay, think about the Miami Dolphins. Folks, they, they're, they've won 10 games. They're two ga- they have a two-game lead with three games to go, and people are questioning if they could win their division. So there's questions with Miami. There's questions with Buffalo. There's questions with some of the wild card teams uh, in, in the AFC. I mean, for crying out loud you, you got cleveland in there like cleveland flacco's a really cool story they're not a super bowl contender so afc's wide open this is why I never i have never even when the chiefs have been at their lowest points like last week i've never sold my chief stock because when you have the best quarterback on planet earth the best coach on planet earth still a very productive tight end and a great defense you win a lot of games and you can win a lot of playoff games that way and the good news is for kansas city and this sort of takes the burden off of patrick you know he could say you know what I don't have to win 34 to 31 in the playoffs. I don't have to. I can win, like you saw yesterday, score 27-17. I can win 24 to 20 playoff games because that's how good this defense is. And so, you know, good for the Chiefs getting this win and, and kind of getting back on track here. And, you know, for the record, Chiefs right now, they're sitting there, what are they, 9 and 5? Uh, two games out of a, out of the one seat potentially. And Baltimore's schedule is no joke. At the Niners. Ugh. At the, I'm sorry, home against the Dolphins, kind of a go either way game. I would probably take Baltimore, but you never know. And then home against my Steelers, but we know my Steelers. If, if we have nothing else, if we don't have any offense to speak of, we certainly have a great and opportunistic defense. And the Steelers did beat the Ravens all the way back in Week Five for what that's worth. And you look at Kansas City's schedule, a lot of winnable games moving forward. The Chiefs, if I can pull this up here, the Chiefs have the Raiders at home, the Bengals at home. All of a sudden, that looks like a sneaky, interesting game. And then at the Chargers without Herbert and a fired coach. So they'll undoubtedly win two of those three against the Raiders and against the Chargers and probably beat Cincinnati. Although Jake Browning right now, what a comeback by the Bengals. He's he's on a heater. Props to the Bengals for staying in the mix. And that's coming from a Steelers fan. But I, I, I'm not worried at all about the Chiefs. I never have been in, in panic mode for Kansas City. 
And these are the type of games that they are going to win in 2023. Now, will they address the wide receiving core in the offseason, in the draft, free agency, maybe even at the trade deadline next season? I don't know. Uh, they missed their opportunity at DeAndre Hopkins. I criticized them in the moment. I've criticized them uh, last week. I said, or, I'm sorry, two weeks ago. I said, listen, DeAndre Hopkins was out in the open market, and Kansas City said, no, we like what we have. It's a mistake a lot of defending champions often make, and the Chiefs made it. Uh, they could certainly use DeAndre Hopkins right now. He's just wasting away for a mathematically eliminated Titans team. But nonetheless, they, they could have used him, but still, I think they'll be fine. Rasheed Rice, some of the guys are, with that quarterback and that coach and that defense, they're good enough to get to the top. Are they great? Absolutely not. Rasheed Rice has the potential to be, but none of those other guys, Sky Moore, uh, Tony, no, they're, they're, they're not it. But uh, Justin Watson as well, not it. But are they good enough with this quarterback to win a lot of playoff games? I think they are. I still think they're the favorites out of the AFC. And you're like, what about Baltimore? Well, let's talk about Baltimore, okay? Because Ravens won 23-7 to over the Jaguars. And I know a lot of folks are going to say a lot of Ravens fans. My man Devin, shout out to Devin, at the Bank Podcast here in the grid. That's my guy. I know Devin and a lot of Ravens fans be like, Bryce, and this is just your, it's just your Steelers fan talking here. Nope. It's my eyes talking. And for the record, before you guys get on me, I was big on the Ravens coming into this season. Big on the Ravens. I thought they would win the NFC North. I'm sorry, be a wild card team, the AFC North, but win a playoff game and potentially win another playoff game. Gets the AFC title game. I have been a Lamar Jackson believer from the jump, or at least from his MVP year. Uh, he's improved drastically. He does not get the credit he deserves. I don't care what anybody says. He's improved drastically as a pocket thrower. He's still mobile. He's still... You know, he's, he's got good accuracy, good touch in the ball, decent deep ball thrower. And since the Ravens have gotten him some weapons, you're seeing kind of the Lamar that we've all known, to, uh, grown to know and love. And so, listen, right now, I think with the Ravens, their offense is a little bit up and down. I mean, Lamar almost had 100 yards rushing combined with 171 yards passing yesterday against Jacksonville. I started to sell my Ravens stock the second that Mark Andrews went down. When Mark Andrews went down on that Thursday night game against Cincinnati, I said they're in trouble because that is Kels, that is Mahomes to Kelsey. That is Purdy to Kittle, which Purdy has other weapons, but still George Kittle is huge. That is Goff to Laporta. We're seeing that combination become lethal. Um, quarterbacks love their security blanket. When things go wrong, when it's a third down and six and you really need to keep a drive going, there's big number 89 wearing black or wearing purple, depending on what uniforms the Baltimore Ravens are wearing that day. Does I have that right now? Now, Odell Beckham Jr. is still productive. I still like Zay Flowers' potential, Rashad Bateman. They've got some guys there, certainly better than what Lamar's ever had, but that security blanket. And even the the, the, fan, the second, third-level stats will show you Lamar to to um, to Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews is one of the most lethal combinations in all of football. And so the, the, the loss of Andrews has been absolutely killer for them. It's kind of shown in their offense. Now, defensively, they're excellent. Uh, they're excellent. Now, Trevor struggled throughout the day. Trevor Lawrence, um, kind of an uneven game, dealing with dealing with the ankle injury. Now I read this morning that he's a concussion protocol, so Lawrence is dealing with injuries. So I'm not big on asterisks, but a, a mini, just teeny, teeny, tiny asterisk uh, next to the Baltimore Ravens defensive performance, especially given that they gave up 31 points last week to the Rams. Uh, and they'll have their hands full. Like that, that Christmas Day game, Baltimore and San Francisco, that's about as good as it gets. That's the two one-seats currently in the AFC and NFC. Cannot wait to watch that game. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Both teams have great defenses. San Francisco has the far more explosive offense. Uh, Baltimore has the, uh, you know, they have the running game, but again, no Mark Andrews. I am, I am a little concerned because it feels like every mistake Jacksonville made, and Jacksonville had a stretch, by the way, and this goes to show you great teams, truly great teams, capitalize off your mistakes. I mean, I don't think Buffalo's a great team. I don't. I have... From the jump, I've never said Buffalo was a great team, and I still maintain that today, whatever the narrative may or may not be. Jacksonville had a stretch in the first half. You ready for this? Where they went missed field goal, missed field goal, fumble, and then ran out of time at the end of the half. How did Baltimore respond to those drives? Punt, interception, they did score a touchdown, that second fumble, and then end of the half, and then the start of the second half, punt. They have not consistently shown me to be a team that when the other team screws up, the other team gives them an opportunity, they just don't seem to cash in. And great teams do that. San Francisco, you make a mistake against the Niners, you're dead. Just, just pack your bags, uh, get ready for next week. 
That's what the Niners do. They're, they're obviously the best roster in the league, but Baltimore's certainly not far behind. They're one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL. Very well might, might be number one for all I know. Uh, great linebacking tandem, good secondary, although it's struggled, but good secondary in general, and a really good pass rush with Jadavian Clowney and company. This is this is a Ravens offense that without Mark Andrews just hasn't seemed to hit that rhythm that we've expected them to, to, to hit for, for quite some time now. Now we saw them do it against the Rams last week, but listen, Teams like San Francisco, that's a different challenge. Teams like Pittsburgh's defense, I want to emphasize that, defense, that's a different type of challenge. Um, who they have in week uh, – uh, Miami's defense. We've seen what they've done with Vic Fangio uh, coaching uh, coaching that team with with, with Jalen Ramsey and, and guys like that. So we're going to learn a lot about Baltimore in these next three weeks, especially next week against San Francisco. Whether or not they win or lose to be kind of irrelevant uh, because they still have the one seed even if they lost, assuming Miami also lost. Uh, which the Dolphins take on the Cowboys, which is, is, is a very losable game. But if, if Baltimore loses, but it's 27-24 on a walk-off Jake Moody field goal, I, I actually almost think you feel better. There are certain losses where you're like, okay, we lost the game, but I kind of feel good about where we're at as a team moving into next week. But if they lose and it's like the Dallas game, 42-10, to 10, or like the Eagles game, 42-19, to 19, or the Jags game, 34-3, to 3, uh, you're a little concerned. That's on the road in Santa Clara. That that crowd is going to be really into it. That's a that's a rough spot for this Niners team. No doubt. I'm sorry, this Ravens team. No doubt about it. So I'm just a little bit, just a little bit, selling my stock on the Baltimore Ravens. It's ha- listen. I think they're just. I, I I don't typically spoil my predictions until Friday when I make my predictions. But I think Baltimore's going to lose. I really do. Uh, San Francisco again. This is against an 11 and three Ravens team. The one seed in the seemingly loaded AFC, okay? Niners are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. Okay, let's do a recap of week 15 games around the NFL. We had a triple header on Saturday. Uh, very fun. Minnesota-Cincinnati game of that 1 o'clock win. I don't think any of us saw that coming. The battle of the backups, Mullins versus Browning. Uh, by the way, shout out Jake Browning. Again, I'm a Steelers fan. I don't like the Bengals, but I gave I gave props where it's due. Okay, Jake Browning, 300 yards passing, couple touchdowns. Listen, 2023 has been the year of the backup. You see what Joe Flacco's doing in 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 Cleveland, and we've seen you know Nick Mullins now is is like the third or fourth quarterback that the Vikings have used, uh, and he played he played fine. He had a couple touchdowns, a couple picks, uh, and Jordan Addison had a, a massive day at the office in Cincinnati. But props to the Bengals, man. They're down double digits in the fourth quarter. Come back to tie it. T. Higgins with that insane effort to get in the end zone and uh, and tie it up and send it to OT where the Bengals, through a series of crazy events, were able to get in the field goal range and win it at the end. This is what I've said about the Bengals. Like, after that win against Jacksonville, I said, okay, there might be something to this in terms of whether or not this team can make the playoffs. They're, they're not a contender without Joe Burrow, obviously. But Jamar Chase is still there. T. Higgins, we saw that play made in the fourth quarter. He's still there. Joe Mixon is still there. Tyler Boyd. So they're not short on weapons, and Zach Taylor is a solid offensive coach. Not a great coach, but a, a pretty good one. One thing I've always said about Zach Taylor, I think people are lower on him than they should because he is the classic, not a not a, a visionary, so to speak, not a coaching mastermind, but A, he doesn't try to be. He knows who he is and what he is, and B, he doesn't screw it up. Like how many Bengals games, you, let me ask you Cincinnati fans and even NFL fans because the Bengals have played in a lot of big games over the last few years since they got Burrow. When's that one game you're like, doggone it, Zach Taylor screwed this one up? I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. I can't, I can't remember when the last time it's happened. I'm sure, I'm sure it's happened before, but uh, it's not. Let's just say it's not as common as Brandon Staley. Heck, I'm not sure it's quite as common as Mike McCarthy, and I love Mike McCarthy. Like, that's that's something we've got to give the Bengals credit on. And listen, for, for, for Minnesota, if you look at the standings today, still in the playoffs, still the sixth seed. Now they get rolled by Detroit. <laughs> they get rolled by Detroit or... NFC East champion, whoever it's going to be, Philly-Dallas, uh, they get rolled by any of those teams. But nonetheless, they're, they're, they're trying to make the most of what they got. Uh, Minnesota, who they got next week? Ooh, got Detroit two of the next three weeks. So, you know, two very losable games and then sandwiched in between there. They got the Packers. Now, that's in Minnesota, but we'll see what happens given what the Packers are doing. And then props to Cincinnati. Again, not a Bengals guy, Steelers fan. Props to Cincinnati. Speaking of the Steelers, Oh, boy. So they played the Colts. Lost 30-13. And I picked this game with my head over my heart. I said, I think I think I had Steelers 17-16. to um, Early on, I felt good about myself. Steelers had a couple scoring drives. Deontay Johnson making plays. And 
Trubisky making throws and and then went all downhill from there. Colts went a 30 to nothing run to close the game from I guess it was late second quarter, mid third quarter on, or late first quarter, mid second quarter on. Yep. Went a 30 to nothing run. And that was about all she wrote. And that's all she wrote for the Steelers season. Listen, we're seven and seven. Our upcoming schedule is brutal. We're still gonna play the Bengals. Uh still gotta go to Seattle, who we know Seattle's kind of cratering a little bit, but still Seattle's a respectable team on the road, especially. And they got to go to Baltimore week 18. It's over. It's a, and especially when you look at the teams that are competing right now with the Steelers uh, for those last couple of AFC wildcard spots. Uh, first of all, they're a game out of the playoffs as it stands today with three games to go. Uh, if, if you look at what Indianapolis did, has the tiebreaker Cincinnati. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, Houston got a massive win yesterday against Tennessee. Buffalo's ahead of them. Uh, listen, teams like Pittsburgh, Denver, uh, the Raiders still aren't totally out of it, although, let's be honest, they're kind of out of it. This is what I've said. You know, I don't want to re-exercise this take that I've had for weeks, if not months, on my Steelers about how they're offensively incapable, how their lack of creativity has cost them. People are blaming the new offensive play callers. Oh, Matt, Canada wasn't the problem. They're using Canada's playbook, okay? The play calling you would think would be better, but they're still using Canada's playbook. Uh, I didn't expect the Steelers' offense to turn into the – the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs, but I did expect it to be decent. Now, with your backup quarterback in, and while I'm not a massive Kenny Pickett fan, he's better than Mitch Trubisky, as we've seen in the last couple weeks. Okay, Kenny's been able to make these throws in the fourth quarter. Mitch is simply not. But I will say this now, and I'll probably get a lot of pushback from some Steelers fans, some NFL fans, but I don't care. Not this year, because there's three games to go. We'll see what happens with Pittsburgh. I don't think they're making the playoffs. In 2024, Mike Thomas should be coaching for his job. There, I said it. You say, Bryson, timeout. Again, we'll see what happens the last three games of the season. But to this point, Bryson, no losing seasons. Uh, are you kidding me? You're going to fire this guy? Let me ask you a question. Is the standard in Pittsburgh Super Bowls or is it not sucking? That's my question. Because a lot of Hall of Fame head coaches have had some losing seasons. Steve Kerr's had losing seasons. Eric Spolstra and... Andy Reid's had losing seasons. Nothing nothing wrong with that. I mean, props. It's a really cool record. Uh, and Pittsburgh, who knows? Maybe they'll win two of their last three, barely miss the playoffs, or barely sneak in the playoffs because they have some tiebreakers over some teams in that mix. And they'll get the, lose, the non-losing season and then get boat raced by Kansas City or Baltimore. Whoop-de-doo. Is that the standard in Pittsburgh? Here's why I say 2024. Because you can't you can't fire Mike Tomlin after this year. It's, it's, it wouldn't go over terribly well in the franchise, I don't think. But you're seeing the body language of these guys. If you watch that Colts game, I'm certainly not going to use the Q word, if you know what I mean. Four-letter Q word that starts with Q and ends with T. The body language was horrendous, and that falls on the coach. We get on coaches all the time. We got on Staley for the Chargers quitting, and Mike Tomlin's an infinitely better coach than Brandon Staley. I want to be very clear on that. Um, but it's the, it's the old saying, you can lose games, you can't lose the locker room. I think Tomlin's losing the locker room a little bit. I really do. And if we go into this offseason with the Pittsburgh Steelers and there's not a drastic change in terms of bringing a, a progressive offensive uh, offensive coordinator in to, to either help Kenny Pickett develop or preferably draft a quarterback, then it shows Mike Tomlin is comfortable being where he's at, which is mediocre, and you have to move on. For the record... It's been, let's see, 2024 for Tom will make that 18 years. It's been a heck of a run. A couple Super Bowls. I'm not running him off yet. Not yet. And I would not fire him at the end of this year, even if they lose their last three games and finish 7-10. and 10. Honestly, I think 7-10 and 10 would actually be kind of good for this team. In this franchise would be kind of a wake-up call that you can't just win things the old 2005 way. It's 2023. About to be 2024. You need a quarterback. You need to be offensively progressive. And the Steelers are simply none of those things, which is why there's a very – very hard ceiling on how far this team can go. Now with my soapbox. And again, I am not in my studio. Maybe I'd be more fired up uh, if, if I were in my studio. Instead, right now I'm around a, you know, a, a lot of people, so I'm not going to not gonna go crazy. Um, last game, though, of, Det- uh, of, of Saturday was Detroit smoking Denver 42-17. to This was my Bryce's Bleak bet game. I said this is kind of my situation where for the, with the Detroit Lions. And you guys know I have been sky high in Detroit since the offseason. I predicted this team to get to the NFC title game. Don't know if I feel great about that today, although the way Dallas and Philly are playing, who knows? Uh, San Francisco is obviously the team to beat in the NFC. But I said about Detroit, elite offense. We knew that last season. 
very good coaching staff. We knew that last season. If this defense could get it right, they could be a legit threat. And for a few games this season to start, <clears throat> excuse me, it looked like they were that. Then they gone, they've gone through the, about a month and a half stretch of not playing very good football. And then Saturday night, only giving up 17 to Denver. Russell didn't play particularly well in this game. But I miss doing this. Lions have been a little inconsistent as of late, so it's good to play this soundbite. Hey, Dan Campbell, Oprah Winfrey. What Detroit, Detroit? Whoa, let me rephrase that. Dan Campbell, Oprah Winfrey. What did the Detroit Lions do on Saturday night against those Denver Broncos? Kneecap. 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 Kneecaps were bitten in Detroit, Michigan. Sam Laporta was excellent. Jared Goff played very well. I've always said five touchdowns, by the way. Um, I've always said about Jared Goff that he's the type of dude that can be a top eight quarterback on some Sundays and like 15th or 16 on others. But by and large, he's kind of in that 10, 11, 12 area. Like he's very good. He's a franchise quarterback. Um, you can win a lot of games with him. Heck, you can get to a Super Bowl with him. We saw that in 2018 uh, with the Rams. But Jared Goff's having a darn good season. Again, Russell did not play well at all, but you give a lot of props to the to the Lions defense in that regard. Denver's season is is looking certainly not over. They're very much in the mix. Only a game out of the playoffs. Um, they still get the Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders to end the season, but Man, they've got to get it right offensively if they want to. If they want a chance, and defensively, this was kind of their stinker. You know, for Dallas, this was their stinker yesterday against Buffalo. For Denver, defensively, this was their stinker against a phenomenal Lions offense. And that's the thing about Detroit at home. And this is why I thought getting the one seed, which seems to be kind of out of the picture now, but this is why I thought getting the one seed for Detroit was going to be really critical, because as great, it's it's, it's a little bit of Dallas Cowboys syndrome where it's a young team that plays great on turf. We know older teams. We, we hear the criticism of MetLife Stadium often, uh, and rightfully so, by the way. But older teams like to play on grass, like to play on these 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 real surfaces, not these artificial surfaces. These younger players, like I've heard Micah Parsons of the Cowboys talk about this, like he loves playing where he can he can he can like almost gain a, an advantage in terms of speed. Detroit Lions are like that. Like had they got the one seed and the road to the NFC title ran through Detroit, and he had to go into Ford Field in that dome where they're very comfortable playing. You know, that was going to be a little bit of a problem for teams coming in. Uh, I still feel very confident the Lions are going to win one playoff game. Two, we'll see. But they're certainly going to win the NFC North division. If they haven't clinched it already, I think next week if they beat Minnesota, that'll that'll pretty much put the NFC North in the bag. The props to the Lions in a good win. Uh, Dolphins beating the Jets 30 to nothing. I, I took the Jets to the points because I didn't know if Tyreek was going to play. Um, Tyreek did play. Or, sorry, did not play. But Tua was still pretty good. Had a pass rating of 119. And the... Um, New York Jets were, were kind of struggling throughout. Uh, Zach Wilson having a, a rough day at the office, getting benched at the end of the day for for Trevor Simeon, a couple of interceptions. And um, it's a bad day at the office for the Jets. Eliminated from playoff contention for the 13th year in a row, I believe. 13 years? Yikes. Jets aren't playing very good football right now. And props to Miami for taking advantage. Uh, you know, it's the old Dennis Green saying, they are who we thought they were, right? That is where the, the New York Jets are right now. Texans... I don't want to say shocking the Titans, but close to it. Case Keenum. Listen, Case Keenum, I, for a long time, I had him in the low-end starter, high-end backup category. I think he's just more of a backup now, but a productive backup. I thought with CJ Stroud out this week against a Titans team that division rival, Titans are really good at home. Well, Coach Mike Brable, that this is the game they could potentially lose. I don't know. Props to Texas winning this game in overtime. Case led a, a game-winning drive there at the end. Uh, Texas ran the football really well. Will Levis. Uh, struggled throughout most of the day. But Houston keeping themselves very much. Matter of fact, the season ended today. Houston would be in the playoffs as we sit here. But to win a game like that without Stroud, it goes to show you the culture that D'Amico Ryans has built. Uh, the offensive play calling with Case Keenum in there obviously got to change a lot because Case is not close to as gifted as CG is. But really, really impressed by the Texans yesterday. People are going to say, oh, the Titans are eliminated for the playoffs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Titans are eliminated for the playoffs. They're still at home. It's still a division rivalry. Brable's still a phenomenal coach. That's a very impressive win with a backup quarterback. So shout out to the Houston Texans. Ah, this is one of these games I wish I was in the studio for. This is one of those games. Buccaneers handing it. Handing it to the Green Bay Packers. 34 to 20. This, I think, I guess this, this might have been my upset of the week. I'll have to go back and make sure. But, you know, Cheesehead Ozzy is not in the building. Because he was not able to make, he was not able to travel down here to Florida. But I know what he would say. Okay, he would say that uh, Green Bay got a little high on yourselves, and high on your quarterback, high on your coach, even undefeated in December. Well, 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 well. 
two straight losses, six and eight. Now, Jordan, to his credit, had some pretty good throws in this game, I thought. Um, had a beautiful throw to, to that kid, Reed, who's a nice player. But this defense for Green Bay is really bad. They're probably going to make a change of defensive coordinator, probably move on from Joe Barry at the end of the season. But listen, I said on I, I said on um, on Friday's show that Baker Baker touchdown maker is going to make it happen. Listen, I for the record, I've never been much of a Baker guy. He's won me over. He's won me over. His maturity, how he stepped into the situation in Tampa Bay and handled it like a complete professional. And again, like this is we know this is this is how the brain works in guys. Guys mature later than women. That's just how it works. And Baker's was kind of actually not kind of he was very immature coming in the NFL. The guys swear by him in Tampa. GM loves him. Coach loves him. Teammates love him. And you saw yesterday, how about a perfect pass rating, 158.3 for Mr. Baker Mayfield. Four touchdowns on the day, 381 yards passing. Listen, when you have guys like Godwin and Mike Evans and guys like that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to help your case. And listen, Tampa Bay 7-7. Seven and seven, uh, Right now, the leader to win the NFC South. They, I didn't think the Tampa Bay Bucks would be very good at all. Uh, there's a little bit of drama going on right now with, with their linebacking core. But other than that, like where this team's at, certainly not a contender in the NFC, but very well could host a playoff game uh, when it's all said and done. So the Tampa Bay Bucks are are very, very real. And uh, <clears throat> at least real to win that NFC South. Now, they, the Saints, somebody's probably going to get boat raced by Philadelphia or Dallas. But nonetheless, uh, very impressed with what the Bucks are doing this season, uh, given the circumstances. Giants knocking, I'm sorry, Saints knocking out the Giants and staying alive in the NFC South, 24-6. to um, listen, Tommy DeVito kind of came back down to earth a little bit. Uh, didn't play so well. Got benched by uh, by Tyrod Taylor. Or not benched. He, he was dealing with, um, I think, a, uh, a head injury. He was in concussion protocol, I believe, at one point. Uh, Derek Card, three touchdowns. Played very well yesterday. Uh, Giants on a short week. So that's why I liked the – I did take the Giants to, to, to cover, plus six. But I, I did like the Saints to win this one outright. Listen, I've said this about New Orleans. The talent's there. I, I, I'm much higher in Carr than most. But – Offensive coordinator's got to go. Head coach has got to go. Said this coming in this season. I'm shocked they didn't move on from him after last year, given Dennis Allen's track record as a head coach. Uh, it would be – I think it would almost be, as weird as it sounds, it would actually be bad for the Saints to make the playoffs. A little bit of Pittsburgh Steelers syndrome on steroids in the sense that if they get in and you know, even if they get blown out, maybe a blowout would be nice for them in the playoffs – would it sort of tell the ownership, which is the smart ownership group, but nonetheless, would it tell Mickey Loomis, the GM, and the ownership group saying that, hey, Dennis Allen got us the playoffs. Maybe we'll be better in a year or two. No, you won't. You'll be back in the same position. Roster's very good. Uh, I like the quarterback more than most, but it's it's just not there. It's just simply not. Uh, the Panthers knocking out the Falcons. How about Carolina get? <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a drink of water here. <clears throat> there we go. Carolina wearing those... <clears throat> those fire uh, black uniforms and black helmets and basically no crowd in sight. Again, as I talked about on Friday, you could get in that game for, for less than a dollar. I think they, they skyrocketed ticket prices up to 4 or $5. So uh, the Carolina won this game. Ugly performance, 9-7. to seven. Bryce really wasn't that good. Uh, but Desmond Ritter, believe it or not, was actually worse. And Carolina made Chicago a little nervous because Carolina, as we know, has the number one pick of the draft, but that, because of the Bryce Young trade, goes to goes to the Chicago Bears. So they, they're making Chicago sweat just a little bit in terms of whether or not they'll get the number one pick, but I still think they will. Carolina's probably going to lose out from here. Browns versus Bears was a very fun game. 20-17, to 17, uh, Browns beats Chicago. This was my if I were a Batman game. I, I said the Browns would cover minus three, ended up being a push, but uh, ended up being dead wrong because of the Hail Mary from Justin Fields to Darnell Mooney. Uh Joe Flacco made some big plays late, had three interceptions, but made some big plays late, made a, some great throws to Amari Cooper and David Njoku to get him into field goal range to win it. Here's where I'm at, though, on Justin Fields, because you see his numbers, not particularly impressive, 19 for 40, a touchdown and two picks, and a pass rating in the mid-40s. Here's where I'm at on Justin Fields. And I know you heard DJ Moore after the game. You hear his some of his teammates kind of swearing by him. Here's where I'm at with Fields. I think this... Three-game streak, and I'll give him a little bit of a pass because this Browns defense is really, really, really good. It's great, actually. Might be the best defense of the league, honestly, outside of San Francisco. I think Justin Fields, I think the Bears are in a great spot with Fields where he's like if keeping Justin Fields, if you get the number one pick, to me, and this might be a false analogy because, because I'm using the NBA and there's no position in the NBA more valuable than quarterback is the NFL, but nonetheless – this would be like if Jalen Brown is your star player and you pass up a chance to trade for Nikola Jokic. Like, that's what this would be. 
Caleb Williams is one of the most gifted quarterback talents we've ever seen come out of college. One of the most highly touted guys, once in generation type players, like an Andrew Luck, like a Peyton Manning. One of those guys. Caleb's good. I heard Joel Klatt say once, like he's a he's an A plus at virtually everything. And people have questions about maturity. He'll he'll get the maturity thing right uh, when it's all said and done. He's 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 still young. We saw Baker get it right. I think Caleb Williams can get it right uh, in the end. I don't think Baker. I don't think he has the same maturity issues Baker had coming in. So that that's kind of a moot point. I like Fields. I think this three game stretch is actually great for Chicago because they're winning some games. They're building a good culture. Matty Rufloos probably still keeps his job. Uh, you keep you retain the coaching staff, and you trade Justin Fields for a, a high second-round pick. Like You trade with a team like an Atlanta Falcons. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams. Maybe a Seattle Seahawks take a flyer on, on, a, on a guy like Justin Fields if the Seahawks continue to, to struggle. But you, know, you look at teams that the, the need quarterbacks. You know, do the – I don't know. Do the Raiders make a move for, for, for Justin Fields? Maybe. We know the Raiders are going to have a relatively high draft pick. Um, I think there's a lot of teams out there. We see the quarterback plays, see a lot of backups. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. And um, I think the Bears are in a great, great position if they play their cards right. They're probably still going to get the number one pick with Caleb Williams there. Uh, they're going to get a, a decent draft pick of their own, obviously. And then they move Justin Fields for either a late first or early second. And we know how valuable those picks can be. So they could have three of the first, what? They could have three picks in the first 40. First 35, maybe, if they're aggressive. I don't know. But I think this is Chicago needs to play their cards right. Because I think if they draft a receiver, if they draft like Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, and Marvin Harrison is a phenomenal talent. Don't get me wrong. But if they draft a Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, and then maybe an offensive lineman, number two, it would help. But is the ceiling with Fields as high as it would be with Caleb Williams? I mean, as much as I like Fields and I liked him out of that draft in 2021, it's won five games this year. Matter of fact, I think Fields has won four games this year uh, because they obviously Tyson Bajant won that one game against the Raiders. So I like fields. I don't love them, but props the Browns at a good win. Uh, what else we got? Niners beating the Cardinals. Uh, listen, Arizona to their credit. And this is a prop that could credit to Kyler Murray. Stay relatively competitive uh, throughout this game. Brock Purdy played awesome. Pass rating of 135, four touchdowns. But then again, according to some, he is a game manager. That was quite hilarious. But Niners did what they were supposed to. I took the Cardinals to the points. I thought they keep it close. And for a while they did. And the final score looks somewhat respectable. Brock Purdy played excellent uh, in that game yesterday uh, in Arizona. And the Niners are in great, great shape. Rams knocking off the Commanders finally 20 to 20, or sorry, 28 to 20. Uh, uh, Commanders eliminated mathematically from playoff contention. Stafford, I, I keep telling y'all, Stafford's on a bit of a heater right now. Pass rating of 118, couple touchdowns through the air. I said last week, and I'm sure it got some black for it, but oh my God, how could you have the Rams as a top 10 team on Bryson's best 10 when they have a losing record? Because I have eyeballs, because I watch the games, because Matthew Stafford is playing about as well as any quarterback in the league has been playing uh, over the last month. So props to the Rams. Right now, if the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. And so the Rams are, are playing very, very good football right now and deserve all the love and adoration that they are currently getting. All right. Before we get out of here, we've got a game tonight. Monday Night Football, if we can pull up the background music here. we got a Monday Night Football game tonight between the Seattle Seahawks and the favor although it's kind of shifted three and a half three uh that tells me that three and a half tells me again i'm recording in the morning here uh that tells me jalen hurts is probably gonna be good gonna be good to go uh we know he's been dealing with an illness there was a report by Schefter that the illness actually worsened overnight so hopefully jalen is 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 relatively healthy but this is a massive game for both teams seattle it's massive for them just to stay alive in the nfc playoff race which hey green Bay's floundering a little bit minnesota has a brutal schedule their last their last three playing detroit twice so the door's still wide open for the seahawks to still get into the get into the postseason for Philadelphia, they literally clinched a playoff spot yesterday. I think with the, I think with the Carolina win, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of those games. Philadelphia clinched a playoff spot. However, they need to win this game to stay in the race for the NFC East and potentially even the one seed. They win this game, they're in it with the Niners for the one seed. They lose this game. Dallas retains first place in the NFC East, uh, and Philadelphia is right would right now be the the five seed in the conference and certainly would like at least one playoff game, if not two home playoff games uh, as the two seed in the NFC. But Philadelphia three and a half point favorites. I'm going to predict this game, assuming Jalen Hurts plays because I think he's going to be ready to go. I think Jalen's a tough kid. Uh, he's going to be ready to go. He's a great leader for this Eagles team. Not that he's not a great leader if he doesn't play, but I think this, I'm recording this. It's almost 9 a.m. Eastern. I think he's going to play. Okay. Drew Locke. 
probably, again, I'm predicting this in the morning, I think is going to play. So it's going to be Hurts versus Locke. Here's the problem. Philadelphia's defense. That's the problem. Darius Slay, their best corner, hurt. Looks like he's, he's not going to be ready to go uh, for this Masters. So J- uh, Darius Slay is out. Uh, they made a change at offensive play call. I'm moving back their original OC and bringing Matt Patricia in to be their defensive play caller. And we know Patricia, you know, listen, he got a good reputation in New England for being their defensive coordinator. We all know Belichick called the defensive plays. He wasn't a very good head coach in Detroit. He was the offensive coordinator infamously for the Patriots, despite being a defensive guy. I've never been the biggest Patricia fan. I have, I think his ego uh, leaves a lot to be desired in many ways. I liked some of the things I saw. There were flashes, little ones, but flashes of, of, of brilliance from the Seattle Seahawks to a certain degree last week against a dominant team in San Francisco. So they have the pieces there. DK Metcalf there. He needs to keep his emotions in check. But they have Metcalf, Lockett, and uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Noah Fant. Like, the weapons are there. Uh, the offensive line dealing with some injuries, but you have some guys there. If they're able to make the plays and expose what is I've been saying for since the beginning of the season is a bad Philadelphia defense, they'll be in good shape. And folks, ladies and gentlemen, I'm taking them to get the upset outright 31-27. to 27. Give me the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Don't just take them to the points, man. Take them to win this puppy outright. Seattle knocks off Philadelphia 31-27. to 27. They, beat the, they beat the Eagles, and Philadelphia falls right back down to the 5 seed. That's what I think is going to happen. All right. Fun show today. Interesting show. A lot happened in the NFL in Week 15. I'll have more reaction to Philly and Seattle and maybe some other stories on Wednesday's show. Uh, should be back in the studio by that point, although it will be a later show. So keep I'll keep you posted on that. But that is all the time, all the time we have for today's show. appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live right here on YouTube and on Twitter on Wednesday night. Again, I will give you an update as to when that will be. But uh, also be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. Obviously, I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So if you could hit that big red subscribe button, it would help the channel grow exponentially and really, really mean a lot to me and all those who put a lot of time into this show and certainly as well to the grid network be sure to go subscribe there equally as important that is gryd the grid podcast network right here on youtube as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast be it apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, google podcast any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast like i said fun show today a lot of football week 15 it was a good one especially in that early window i anticipate we'll get a good one tonight and I anticipate we get an upset tonight. The Seahawks knock off the Eagles. You heard it here first. All right. I'll see you on Wednesday's show. Back in the studio, although at a later time, I will let you all know. See you then. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. And don't panic on Dak for the love of Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.